Well, thanks, James. And hi, guys. My name is Marcus. I'm one of the apprentices here at Auckland EV. Um, we're in our series in Psalms, as you've heard, uh, in our holiday series where you get to hear the apprentices preach. And I got to say, when I first heard that, you know, we got to preach, I was like, okay, cool. And then when I heard it was a Psalms, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> now, uh, that's because, you see, Psalms are a unique piece of God's word. It's the kind of uh, word that the content matters, but the emotions behind it matters as well. And... Uh, if you ask my wife, and this is her quote, she says that that's one of my weakest areas. In fact, she says, <clears throat> apparently, I operate like a robot more than a human being sometimes. <laughs> so, so let's pray to God that he'll help us understand his word today and emotionally connect with this passage. Oh, Father, uh, thank you for your word. And as we unpack it today, Lord, be guiding us and help us see the depths of despair, and the joy that we can experience in this life because of your son. Just let me pray. Amen. Yeah, Psalms are really emotional, and that's because the Psalms deal with issues of life, and they're very raw. And one of the issues that it deals with in this passage is a question, and it's this question. What do you do when you feel God has abandoned you? You see, in this psalm, we're going to explore the depths of this as Asaph sings, as he thinks that God's disposition toward him and his people has changed, that God no longer cares. Because that's how it looks like and feels like anyway. Have a look at verse 10. It's on the screen. It says, I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. Now, the idea of the right hand is big in the Bible. It's a description of God's, of a person's disposition towards something. Now, God's right hand is God's acts of favor towards someone. Okay? So you see in Psalm 138 verse 7, it shows us God's right hand doing something, saving. See, it says, if I walk into the thick of danger, you will preserve my life from the anger of my enemies. You will extend your hand and your right hand will save me. Now, Psalm 110 verse 1 shows us that God's right hand is also a position of full support from God. It's, this is a declaration from, of the Lord to my Lord. Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. You see, in the Bible, to say that my right hand has changed is to say that I've changed my mind and will about something. Now, to say that God, the all-powerful one, the one who's in control of all things, that God's right hand has changed, is to say that God has changed his mind. Now, this is where Asaph lands in the first part of his song. God has changed his mind about his people, about Asaph. Now, uh, Psalm 77 doesn't really tell us uh, exactly what's happening around, but it might have been around the time when Israel was probably being attacked and maybe being in exile, we don't know. But the reality around him will probably corroborate with this uh, conclusion. That as he looks around, he sees destruction, he sees pillaging. Now, I don't know what Asaph exactly saw, but it was enough to tell him that God has abandoned his people, that God has abandoned Asaph. His right hand has changed. 
Now, what does being abandoned, like, uh, being abandoned by God look like or feel like? Have a read with me in Psalm 77 verse 1. It says, I cry, out, cry aloud to God and aloud to God and He will hear me. I sought the Lord in my day of trouble. My hands were continually lifted up all night long. I refuse to be comforted. I think of God. I groan. I meditate. My spirit becomes weak. Isn't that heavy? Thinking of the most wonderful person in the world, God, that makes him groan. Meditating makes him weaker. Now, it's not like he didn't seek God. He did. Look at verse 2. His hands were continually lifted up, even throughout the night. There is no comfort. He cannot be comforted. You have kept me from closing my eyes. I am troubled and cannot speak. I consider the days of old, years long past. At night, I remember my music. I meditate in my heart. My spirit ponders. Is he being abandoned by God? Or feeling like that? Asaph can't sleep. He's too troubled and it leaves him speechless. Have you ever had a time when you're so flooded by the troubles and emotions you have that you can't even speak? Now what's worse? When he thinks of the good old days, right? When things were good, it just brings pain. Because it's so clear. The good old days are gone. Asaph becomes a very different person than he used to be. Right? He thinks of his music, the thing that he praises God with. Asaph was a guy that you went to to write psalms, and that's why we have psalms. But there's no sign of relief. There's no comfort. Will God reject and never again show favor for us? Has his faithful love for us ceased forever? Is his promise at an end for all generations? <laughs> Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger withheld compassion? Because it feels like that. Now, uh, one day, you know, uh, it might be for us who love and serve God today. One day, it might be out of the blue. It may be gradual and slow. It may be our fault. It may not be. But we might end up in the same spot as Asaph is. God's right hand has changed. You might conclude the same things. That God doesn't love you anymore. He's given up. Ask questions like, where were you, God, in my infertility? Or where is your goodness when you gave me depression? Where were you when my loved ones died? Why do you have to give me cancer? Why me? You might say as well that I am grieved that the right hand of the Most High has changed. Because how else can I end up here? Right? God has turned His face from us. From me. I'm all alone. Have you ever felt like that? That your whole world has crumbled? That you're in this dark spot? What do you do then? See, I had an experience of walking alongside someone in that darkness. And I can tell you it's deep. And it can be pitch black. Now, this, this person was a Christian who loved Jesus who reads the Bible every day, loves doing that, reads with people, prays hard. Like, when she prays, I tell you, oh, it can go 
on and on. And she has so many things she wants to tell God about. She loves God. She, lives, she doesn't just do that. She just lives radically for Jesus as well. She gives up her life, her time, her money, her resources, everything. But when she was in this spot, she was a very different person. She who loved the Bible, who reads every day, a few times a day, couldn't even bring to hold the Bible. She would love to pray. She couldn't even utter a word to God. Now, uh, as a good uh, Christian brother, I said the right things. You know, being a bit like a robot, I said like, just do it. Just pray. Just read your Bible. Just trust God, you know. They'll be fine. After the umpteenth time of saying that to her, she wanted to just told me. It's not that reading is hard. It's not like talking is hard. No, they're not the hard part. The hard part is who you're talking to, who you're listening from. See, when she thinks of God, that was not love. It was a lot lot of pain. It's a lot of questions. Why? Why did you put me here? I served you. I did everything for your kingdom. Yet you threw me here of all people. In fact, she said, with tears and for the first time ever, she said, I'm angry with God. That's why I find it hard to pray. That's why I find it hard to listen to him. Because I am angry with him. And I know I shouldn't say that. But I am. So what do you do when you're all alone and it feels like God himself has abandoned you? Now, this is where Asaph finds himself in this psalm. But you see, thank God he doesn't want to leave us there. God gives us a direction to turn to in this darkest time. Have a look at verse 1 again. It says this, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, and he will hear me. See, that's a remarkable truth, that God hears you. And this song, uh, what is sung by the people of Israel... It's really sung to God, right? It's directed at God. Have a look at verse 4. See how it says, You have kept me? Asaph was speaking to God as how he describes and how he feels. God is the one who understands us well and knows that we are emotional beings. It's part of how God has made us. And that's partly why the psalm is here. It's filled with emotions because we are emotional beings. And one of the privileges we have as God's people is to be able to cry out to Him with our pains, our struggles, even when it's about Him. Isn't that amazing? Now, now, at this point, you might be reading Psalm 77 and wondering to yourself, well, isn't Asaph wrong to say such things about God? I mean, even worse, to say such things to God? Shouldn't God rebuke him and strike him dead here for insulting him? You know, has God forgotten his grace? Of course not, right? All the answers are of course not. But you see, sometimes this is how, this is what we think about God. We think that God is like the thought police in 1984. If you haven't uh, read 1984, real quick summary, it's a book about a dystopian future where the uh, political party there tries to control everything, including your thoughts. So there are these thought polices that come around and they'll be able to somehow know what you're thinking. And if you're thinking the wrong thing, you get re-educated or you get, well, you, you disappear, I think. <laughs> but uh, sometimes we think God is like that, don't we? He's the thought police. 
And we can only ever think and only ever feel the right positive things about him. We cannot ask or think or feel anything wrong about God. We can only have the right kind of feeling. So we can only have love, joy, comfort, you know, those good stuff, right? And every time we have a negative thought or a feeling, what do we do? We're going to stuff it down. We're going to be really quiet. Okay, we're going to bury that because why? Nobody should know. What if, what if God himself finds out, right? Isn't that bad? So what do we do? We stuff it down. Huh, I'm reading this passage and I think that it makes God look like he's selfish. Stuff that down. Stuff that thought down in a bottle because that's not good. I feel upset with God. Stuff that down. That's not right. You don't feel upset with God, you feel good. You stuff it down. You stuff that feeling down. You stuff it all down and you only have the good ones. You have love. You have uh, comfort. You have joy. Anything else, stuff it down. Only ever think and feel rightly about God. But sometimes we think like that. We're not that extreme, but we feel like that, don't we? But you see, this psalm is telling us that the God of the Bible is bigger than that. Have you ever wondered why God gives this psalm for his people to sing? And I think that's because God's inviting us to cry out to him in our deepest pains, our insecurities, and our doubts, our imperfections. He invites us to cry to him because he listens. Now, I'm not saying that we can make God our imagination. You know, God is God. And we want to have the right perception about God. But we can never have the right perception about God if we aren't honest and be able to open up our feelings to Him. You see, uh, instead, if all we had are the right thoughts about God and no place to really, I mean, really speak to Him from the heart, we would have a really different God from the one who gave us Psalm 77. So let me ask you this. Is there a space in your mind that you think that God is actually more like the thought police? Or is he more like the God of the Bible who invites us to cry out to him, to cry aloud? Maybe you're someone today who needs to cry to God and tell him how you feel, what's been happening. And if, if you are, I encourage you, could do it. Do it after this. Because I promise you, he hears you. God is inviting you and me to share our fears and our pain and our anger with him. Even when it's directed at him. That's how big our God is. He's someone that you can trust even in your darkest moments. Trust him. Tell him your deepest thoughts and feelings. He listens. Now, as Asaph sings out to God, trusting him, he turns, actually, from reminiscing about good old days, about himself, about what's happening, to reminiscing and remembering God and his works. And his tune changes. Have a look with me and see if you can uh, hear it. It says in verse 11, I will remember the Lord's works. Yes, I will remember your ancient wonders. I will reflect on all you have done and meditate on your actions. God, your way is holy. What God is great like God. You are the God who works wonders and you reveal your strength among the peoples. Don't you find that amazing? From the pits of despair a few verses ago, groaning when he thinks about God, but by reflecting on what God has done, he actually declares that God is the God who works wonders. Now, what has God done in the world then to move Asaph from such despair 
to such highs? Well, Asaph remembers God's work in the Exodus. Have a look at verse 15. See, with power you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. See, the Exodus is a pillar to the identity of the Israelites. It's one of the core stories that formed them. It's in that story, God saved them from Egypt and made them his people. Now, he thinks of the details of that story, and he thinks of the, story, the parting of the Red Sea. He says, the water saw you, God. The water saw you and it trembled. Even the depths shook. Your way went through the sea and your path through the vast water. But your footprints were unseen. Then he is reminded of the part where they are in Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments, where he's made, where they are, as a people, are formed. He remembers the clouds that poured down water. The storm clouds thundered. And God's arrows flashed back and forth. The sound of his thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the world, and the earth shook and quaked. And he knows, he remembers throughout the entire journey from Egypt to Israel, God was with them. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. You see, isn't that amazing to see how Asaph remembers God's actions in the world, what he has done. And he remembers from that who God is. You can tell a lot of a person by what they care about in what they do. So, you, you know, in Asian families, you see this a lot. I grew up loving family. But we don't really say I love you. We do, but it's not as often. Do you know how I know that my grandmother loves me? She asked me, have you eaten yet? You haven't eaten. Let me make a meal for you. Let me spend the next half an hour, 45 minutes making your meal because then you're full. I love you this way. I know my grandmother loves me because of all the things she's done for me. You can tell a lot from, uh, about what a person cares about but what, by what he does. And you see, God really cares for, for Asaph and his people because he saved them out of Egypt to make them his but you see, um, we find these stories like this in the Exodus in the Bible. And that's where his, uh, Asaph's mind probably went to, to remind himself of what's happening. But I'll tell you a little secret. Asaph never lived at the time of the Exodus. He never went through all those things. But I think what he instead he did was that he read his Bible really well. He's able to remember in his darkest points the stories that reminded him of who God is. And I think that's important for us, isn't it? Because can we say that about ourselves, that in our darkest moments, we can recall the wondrous works of God and what He's done? So I find myself struggling as well in this uh, aspect, right? Uh, can we say that we are reading our Bibles well? Well, I'll say that when life gets good and gets busy, sometimes the Bible falls on the wayside. Or sometimes the Bible just becomes the little checklist that we need to do. Okay, I need to read five verses and move on with my life. Let's do that. But you see, it's so important, it's so, so important to know God from his word. To ground and discover new truths about God that he wants us to know. And it's so, so important for times when you're in a dark spot like that. So you see, um, I want to ask a question to you all. How are you going with your Bible reading? And when was the last time that you went away from your Bible reading amazed at God's wondrous works? or felt the depths of sin, or the seriousness of God's judgment. 
Well, okay, uh, maybe at this point you might say, well, okay, uh, good for Asaph, right? You know, he has the stories of Exodus to say how he's formed as a nation, you know, he has that people. But what about us today? I mean, we're Kiwis, I'm Malaysian. We're not Israelites, we don't have that identity-forming story as a nation. But we might not have Exodus in that form for us, but we have something bigger, something that Exodus pointed forward to. We have Jesus who gave himself to redeem a people for his own. Have a look at Titus chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Jesus gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people of his own possession. You see, Jesus redeems us not by parting the Red Sea or doing these big things. He did something even bigger than that. He gave himself for us. You can tell a lot about what a person cares about by about what he does. So what has God done? God has saved you and me by the blood of his very own son. He truly and deeply cares about us. And if you struggle to just see how much he loves you, just think about when. When did he die for us? Have a look at Romans 5 verse 8. It says this, it's on the screen. But God proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, it's not while we look good that Christ died for us. It is while we were sinners, his enemies, that he died for us. And can you just see how much God loves you there? This is why there's no wonder just a few chapters down, Paul can say, if God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but gave him up for, for us all. How will he not also grant him with, with us with him everything? Verse 35, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or the sword? No, no, in verse 36 it says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Because I am persuaded that, no, that nothing, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything created will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not even our despair, not even our feelings against God. But yes, you see, I, while this is true, we aren't magically taken out of darkness straight away. But... This just tells us that we have comfort and joy knowing God's love for us, even in the darkest of moments. God loved us on the cross. He loves us now, and He will love us forevermore. But you see, sometimes we really don't believe that God loves us quietly sometimes in our heart, especially after we've sinned. See, we try to hide our sins by ignoring it, or covering it up with lots of good works. You know, we, we do these things because deep down, we doubt that God really loves us. What if he doesn't? Just in case, I better just do lots of good stuff. I better just serve him more. Maybe he'll be happy after that. You know. But you see, that's just really sad. Because the God of the Bible is a God who loves you because of what Christ has done. He loves you so much that even while you were still his enemies, he died for you. So God has not changed his mind. Maybe you're someone who needs to speak to God today this way. 
to just confess, to cry out to him the sins that is in your heart that you've tried to bury. You tried to cover it with maybe lots of good works. Maybe you need to come to God in prayer, not to ask him for things or to, to, to uh, praise him there. Maybe you just need to confess to him what's been happening and just really talk to him. And if you find it's hard and you're scared of doing that, come and find me after this. I'll just be down there. And I'd love to speak to God with you. We can do that together. But you see, a few years later, uh, this uh, Christian sister of mine, I chatted with her again. Right? Uh, she was now out of the dark spot. And I asked her, what helped? She said lots of things helped. You know, like friends, like family, just being there for her, comforting her. People not throwing the same advice, just do it all the time. Uh, but uh, she recalled this one moment that she believed is a firm ground that moved her out. And it was during one of our church's weekend away, a few weekend aways back. She went to it trying to you know, reconnect to God and stuff like that. But she ended up in a corner reading Ephesians alone. She read these words. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Verse 7, it says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. She read of God's works from a long time ago and remembered that God cares for her, that God chose her even before the foundation of the world in love, and that she has been blessed right now with every spiritual blessing in Christ. She remembers that God richly poured out his grace on her, and that started her. That started her on her road out of that dark spot. It didn't happen instantly. But every time she felt down and she felt out, these words comforted her. And she remembered not of herself or her good old days, but of Jesus' work on the cross and what that taught her about God. That gave her something worth moving forward. So if you're a Christian, if you're not a Christian, yeah, and you do not trust Jesus, I just want to say that God invites you right now to trust him. He promises that whoever believes in Jesus will be invited into the family. He promises that you can trust him even in the darkest times. So if you want in, if you want to find out more about God and what Jesus has done and trust in that, Come have a chat with me. I'd love to tell you of God's wondrous works in the world, what he's done. So friends, as we heard there today, what do we do when we feel like we've been abandoned by God? I think Psalm 77 tells us to run to God, cry out to him, and remember his works for you. That he loves you. So I thought, let's just do that. Let's not just talk about wonderful stories. Let's pray right now and then we sing to God. Let's pray. Our Father, thank you for your son that even in our darkest moments, we can remember what he has done 
And we can hold on to that knowing that you love us. Help us cherish that truth, Lord, and let's hold on to that for dear life until we see you face to face. Jesus, let me pray. Amen. You've been listening to a sermon recording from Auckland EV. We hope you found it helpful. And if you'd like to find out more about Jesus or about church, we'd love to get in touch. So check out our website at aucklandev.co.nz for more details. Thanks for listening.